We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. My name is Mary Jo Parrish. I'm the founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is Out of the Haze and Into His Gaze. And just so you know, you are always loved and you are always welcome here. So we know that as parents, we love to hear our children laugh. Even if we're not parents, we love to hear kids laugh. And God the Father feels the same about us. He loves to hear our laughter. So I always like to start off with some funny stories, just so you can have a little bit of a smile and a giggle. I was pouring myself a bowl of cereal, it was grape nuts, and I poured the milk, and then I realized I need to use the restroom. So I go use the restroom, and my six-year-old Joseph starts pounding on the door. He's like, Mom? Mom? I was like, yes, what's going on? Because for me to ever be able to use the bathroom without someone pounding on the door would be a miracle. So just, you know, keep things consistent. Hey, he says, I tried your cereal. It tastes like dog tweets. I was like, well, then don't eat my cereal. That made me laugh. And speaking of dogs, Joseph dreams of having a dog. And we have a lot of kids, so we're just not going to get a dog. Also, my husband's allergic to dogs, and there's supposedly some hypoallergenic ones you can get, but we're just definitely not getting a dog. But he talks about it all the time. Joseph talks about this dog, dog, dog. So he snuggles up to my husband, Bill, and he says, Dad, you know when we're going to get a dog? And my husband kind of looks at me like, what did you do? I didn't do anything. And he said, uh, when, Joseph? He said, looked at him and smiled and said, when you die. Because we had told him that dad's allergic, so we can't get a dog. So I started laughing because it was so dark and hilarious. And my husband's like, did you tell him that? I was like, Bill, I did not tell him that. But in a weird way, it's kind of a compliment because he thinks the only way you would not live in this house is if you die. He's like, whatever. My 19-year-old was attending daily mass with his girlfriend. And when they went together the first time, his girlfriend and him, this older man approaches them and gives them this little prayer book. And they say hi or whatever and go on his way. And then Landon tells me that he goes again and his girlfriend didn't go with him this time. And so that man approached again and said, now, who are you? And, you know, he kind of introduced himself and he says, oh, your father, Logan Parrish's little brother. And he said, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of made contact with him. And then the next day, him and his girlfriend go again. And the same older gentleman invites him in to come have a donut. And Lana said, Mom, I'm not one to refuse a donut. And I said, of course not. And so he goes in there and gets a donut and his girlfriend gets some coffee and they're walking back out. And the older man says, oh, you sit down, sit down. You can't eat that out there. You need to sit down and eat it here. And so Lana said, I sat down. And all of a sudden, they closed the door and I realized we were stuck in a room with a bunch of 70-year-olds doing a Bible study. <laughs> And I don't know who this guy is. I have no idea. But like, God bless you, sir, for like really being the village that is pulling our kids in, even with donuts, to come hear the word of God. I said, Landon, did you stay for the whole Bible study? He goes, just for the first part. And then I said, well, we actually have plans. We got to get going. 
But man, Mom, he tricked me with the donut and I fell for it. So anyway, thank you for those who are seeking our children and bringing them closer to the Word of God. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise, to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. Our foundation is three things. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. That allows us to pause, to allow the Father to love on us, and for us to accept that love. And that can be a rosary. It can be praise and worship. Whatever you want it to be, you want to use 10 minutes to be in the Word, but a minimum of 10 minutes a day, even if your laundry is piling up, even if you're having a fight with your significant other, whatever is happening, a minimum of 10 minutes of prayer a day. And then we go to church on Sundays. That is a commandment, not a suggestion, right? And so we honor the Lord on Sundays. And then we're staying in a state of grace. If we have any serious sin, we are getting out of that, whatever it takes, self-help groups or reconciliation, whatever it takes, we get out of that sense so we have the fullness of God's graces. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. But it all starts with that foundation. Today we're talking about out of the haze and into his gaze. There's this medical IV running through our veins called busyness or distraction. It often prevents us from seeing the beauty in our life. It like veils the awesomeness of our world. This is from St. Alphonsus Liguori. When St. Augustine beheld the heavens, the stars, fields, and mountains, he seemed to hear them say, Augustine, love God, for he has created you for no other end than that you might love him. And when we are surrounded by the work of the divine artists, That is an invitation to know and receive his love. But often we miss that invitation because we're in the midst of the haze. And even the apostles struggled with this. This is from the Gospel of Mark. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in a boat by themselves to a deserted place. Jesus asked the apostles to come away because they were caught in that haze of busyness. When we first started Kingdom Builders, we have a measurable goal idea pamphlet. And one of the goals in there was, I will make myself a healthy lunch because God desires that I feed my body well. I do not need to eat the dried up macaroni and cheese my kids didn't finish. And many builders identified with this because that haze of busyness often leads us to forget to eat or to eat the leftover unhealthy food. And just like Jesus asked the apostles to come away, Jesus asks us to come away. Come eat with me. Come pray with me. Come rest with me. Sometimes in that doing so much for everyone, we can find our identity in the doing. 
And we often forget it's just not about the doing. Even people who lived in Jesus' time were asking about the doing. It's from the Gospel of John. What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. That's the work of God, that you believe. The most important thing God is asking is that we believe in the one God sent, Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, he will minister to us. He will feed us with himself. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. It's from John 6. When we rest in him, when we allow ourselves to be loved by him, when we receive him, he becomes our nourishment. I don't know about you guys, but I have had COVID and I survived it. But the one thing that really stuck out about COVID besides feeling terrible is that I lost my sense of taste and smell. And so everything I ate tasted like nothing. Many different flavors, even really spicy food, nothing. There's no flavor. So I kept trying to like cook something better, like grilled maple pecan salmon tastes like a dirty dish sponge, like a hot cup of cinnamon chai latte tastes like toxic slop. There's just no satisfaction in food or drink. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like I just, I want to taste, you know, we were created to taste. And that is what it feels like living in the haze. We keep eating and drinking. We keep doing and spending. My kid needs to be in the fourth extracurricular activity. My Instagram account needs to prove I'm awesome. The trim in my house all needs to be painted white. The popcorn ceilings must be Spanish lace. There's more and more and over and over. One thing's done and 17 things more arise. It's the same cycle, but nothing truly satisfies. This is the haze. We may find that even some of the busyness may give us like a small temporary pleasure, like shopping for shoes if you're a girl or maybe I don't know what guys get a, a new car battery I don't maybe a power tool that they give you that like small temporary pleasure but it doesn't last because that's not what we were created for and our souls know it you have made us for yourself O lord and our heart is restless until it rests in you as saint augustine so when we are left exhausted unfulfilled and irritated, living in the haze. Like, what does Jesus tell us about that? He actually addresses it. He talks about it, the thirst. He says that those who believe will never thirst again. And when we feed ourselves with the bread of life, when we rest with the bread of life, when we worship the bread of life, when we consume the bread of life, we allow the bread of life to lead and guide us, we will never thirst again because we will truly be satisfied. And when we're coming out of that haze and into his gaze, our taste buds return once again. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. His beauty that has been surrounding us is unveiled. Blessings we have ignored become alive and in color. This is Jesus. He's our bread of life. When Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen was asked about his devotion to spending time with Jesus and Eucharistic adoration, he told the story of an unnamed Chinese martyr, a little girl. In a small village in the early 1900s, 
communist soldiers arrived there. And initially, the soldiers, like, had very little interaction with the villagers. But that changed one day. They came into the local Catholic schools. They destroyed all the holy art, the crucifixes, the statues, and they demanded that all religious objects, the rosaries, holy cards, scrapulars, be thrown away. And all the children gave in to their demands. I mean, these are soldiers, right? Except this one small 11-year-old little girl. And her dad and her were taken to the local Catholic church so that those soldiers could make an example out of their family. And the villagers filled the church, and the soldiers questioned the father about his belief in Jesus being truly present in the Eucharist. And the man boldly proclaimed the words of Jesus, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. John 6, 54. And that man was immediately taken away, never to be seen again. The soldiers threw those Eucharistic communion hosts on the ground and desecrated them, stomped on them. And then they created this like makeshift prison cell for the parish priest. And then the soldiers kind of continued to lurk in that area. And so the priest was shocked to see one day this little 11-year-old girl sneak past the soldiers over to the communion hosts that were on the ground. She knelt down in front of them and worshiped Jesus there. Then she leaned forward to receive Holy Communion directly on her tongue, like she bent forward like a dog would get water. And after consuming the host, she spent a few moments in prayer and then like stealthily left the church without being noticed. And she did this every day for 32 days without being noticed. And that priest was so deeply moved by the love that she had in her eyes as she gazed upon the Eucharist before she bent down to receive him. And the last day on the 33rd day, she made a noise, which alerted the soldiers. And one of those soldiers beat her with the butt of his rifle. And in her broken body, she crawled over to that last remaining Eucharist and received our Lord into her own body. And she died in that sanctuary, fully in his gaze. Her name is not known. If she spoke, her words were not recorded. If that priest had not escaped, we would not even know her story. That little girl handed all she had over freely her whole life. And thousands of people have been spiritually fed because one little girl had the courage to stand up for her faith. She is part of the beautiful body of Christ. This is John 6, 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. It is his flesh for the life of the world, and Jesus desires to pour out his life for the world. He is the bread of life that fed over 5,000 men, that's not even including the women and children who were present, with only five loaves of bread and two fish. And we know this miracle is really significant because it's the only miracle that's mentioned in all four Gospels. So all four Gospel writers were like, okay, this is for sure going in, right? So we know it's significant. So let's go back there for a second. Jesus and the apostles are being followed by thousands of people. They're far away from the city. The people are hungry. And they've been going from place to place full of busyness. They're living in the haze. But they were following the bread of life. They wanted out of the haze and into his gaze. Their souls knew. This is from the Gospel of John. 
Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much fish as they wanted. When they had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve wicker baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could have eaten. We pause with that. Jesus had them recline before he said the blessing and distributed the food. Jesus himself distributes the food. He himself goes. He could have just assigned the apostles like, you take these 2,000, and I'll take these 2,000, and we'll give this 1,000 over here. No, he distributes the food himself to those who were reclining as much as they wanted. When we follow him, when we rest in him, he will provide for all our needs. As Psalm 145, 16, the hand of the Lord feeds us. He answers all our needs. You can also tell in that Bible verse, before the miracle, the apostles seeing so much hunger and so many people, felt overwhelmed. And we can have that same struggle today. When we're faced with so much of the world living in spiritual or physical starvation, like how do we share our one little gift with so many hungry? Sometimes it prevents us from sharing our gift because we can believe like it's just not enough. It won't even make a dent. Why even bother, right? Sometimes we don't share our gifts because we think they're unworthy. No one wants my gifts. They're not perfect. And if we think back to that little boy, he only had five barley loaves and two fish, but he gave it. He gives over his little offering without apologizing. He didn't show concern for it not being enough. He didn't show embarrassment for it being smushed in his bag all day. I think all of us have witnessed either our own book bags or another book bag and how gross book bags get inside. So you know this kid was carrying around those barley loaves and fish in his bag all day. There is no way the bread or the fish was in great shape, you know, no refrigeration or anything. But he still gave it. He did his little part and allowed Jesus to do the big part. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, if you can't feed a hundred people, just feed one. Sometimes we do not share our gifts out of a lack of trust. What will they do with my offering? That little boy didn't demand to know what was going to be done with it. He didn't make stipulations for using it. He didn't seek anything in return for it. He just offered it. And that little boy handed all he had over freely, holding nothing back for himself. And because of that, 5,000 people were fed because that one little boy had the courage to offer the gifts he had. His name is not given. There is no focus placed upon him in scripture. If he spoke, his words are not even recorded. But he is part of the beautiful body of Christ. And Jesus could have created all that food without that little boy's offering, right? He's fully God and fully man. He could do anything. He's omnipotent. He could have done it all alone, but he didn't. And this is cooperative grace. God takes the little gifts we offer, blesses them, distributes them, and miracles come forth from them. Our little offerings allow us to imitate and reflect God 
and to be his gaze of love to the world. My brothers and sisters, we are the beautiful body of Christ. So in the process of like knowing that, that we are the beautiful body of Christ, and we want to stay in his gaze, we want to stay out of the haze of busyness, but we still have to get things done, right? Stuff still needs to get done. And there's a lot of irritations that happen in the midst of just trying to get stuff done. So how do we stay out of that haze and stay in his gaze in the midst of the doing? When I was praying with this, the phrase came to my mind of, irritation is an invitation to praise him. It's a way to train ourselves to praise him for the beauty of the flowers in the midst of pulling the weeds, right? You can notice the beauty of the flowers in the midst of pulling the weeds. You can, right? Because the weeds have to be pulled. So we invite God into every task, every single one. I give the teaching before I give it to different people to read over. And one of the people who read it was a mom of an 18-month-old. And that whole irritation is an invitation to praise him. She said, Luke, her 18-month-old, wanted to climb up the stairs by himself for his nap. And she had a lot of things she needed to get done. He's the youngest of five. And she was getting irritated that it was taking him so long to climb up the stairs because he was stopping to examine, you know, the stair rail and look at a fuzz on the carpet or whatever. And she was starting to get irritated. And she remembered that phrase, irritation is invitation. And she just started praising God and out loud because you need to praise out loud, right? Demons can't read your thoughts and the demons need to hear you praise our Lord. So like, Jesus, I just praise you for his curiosity. I just praise you for his, oh, his blonde hair that's coming in so well. I just praise you for his tanned skin. It was so nice when we were at the pool the other day and just started praising. And by the time he got to the top of the stairs and she carried him to his crib to lay him down, she said she was just full of love and light. So rather than the enemy having any power through irritation, Like she found the blessing there and she praised God and it changed her. So the Lord doesn't want you to live in irritation. Anytime you feel that irritation, just think irritation is an invitation to praise him. My husband uses a spray bottle to brush his hair in the morning. And, you know, we have a ton of kids. So uh, spray bottles are basically another version of a water gun. So the idea that a spray bottle would ever stay in our bathroom is just not reality. So this is a common thing. My husband complains about like, where's the spray bottle? Who took the spray bottle? It's like, oh my goodness. And uh, so I just told him like, hey, you know, that this came to my mind. Uh, Irritation is an invitation to praise him. And he was like, what would I praise God about for the lost spray bottle? And I just kind of looked at him and I said, you know, you're 49 years old and you have a full head of hair and many 49-year-old men don't even need a spray bottle to brush their hair because there isn't very much left. He was like, yep, that's true. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So when we give God our praise, our little offering, he takes our gift and he multiplies it to share with so many more because we know that our God is a God of abundance and miracles. And each of us sharing our little gifts make up that beautiful body of Christ. So Jesus, we just come here today. We desire just to be caught up in your presence. 
And we're just choosing to be here with you right now in the midst of all the motion, the busyness of life. Lord, we want nothing else but you. Allow our lives to be a beautiful offering to you, Lord. We are the body of Christ. Remove the haze and bring us fully into your gaze. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.